0: everybody, I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet, who's being a little bit of a diva right now. He's got to do some things to get ready for the show. I think, honestly, he's just trying to find an excuse for me to play his entry music like we haven't been doing on these uh, series preview shows. Uh, I love the song, so I'm, I'm okay with it. But he's going to join us right away here. Uh, just uh, good to be back. I want to say hi to everyone back in Winnipeg right now. Strongly and firmly in the middle of the Barry Trotz watch uh, that continues to go on. Um, I gotta say, uh, the, it's it's looking more and more like a possibility uh, that he ends up in Winnipeg these days. A lot of conversations that we've been having down here, a lot of stuff that we're hearing sound positive towards that. I think you're seeing a number of teams going off, to, not off the board, but they're taking coaches off the board, uh, taking job vacancies, putting those down every time one of those happens. And it's not Barry Trotts. It's looking interesting. Jeff Hamilton. Uh, I know I just read one of his tweets. And one of his tweets and I do think it's, A fairly interesting idea of his um, that he thinks that there may be potential for Barry Trotz to not make a decision this year and not return to coaching this year and maybe sit out a couple of years, see how that plays out. That's a fascinating concept. And I know that for those of you who were watching on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Ken was just on there. And one of the things that has intrigued us in the past is, you know, the potential idea of what's happening behind the scenes with the Florida Panthers and then maybe something quietly could happen there. I'm of the opinion uh, if you're the Florida Panthers, you had as good a year as you had you, kind of had a lot of, you know, you had your hands full with the Washington Capitals before getting through and then getting entirely swept out by the New York Rangers. To me, I looked at that series and what I saw was a team that just couldn't make the necessary changes, systems changes, coaching changes that you needed to stay buoyant in that series. I take a look at the that Florida Panthers team and I think, aside, you know, put them side by side with the Colorado Avalanche. I don't think there are any two more Stanley Cup-ready rosters in the NHL than those. So for me, it would make sense that a team like the Florida Panthers would be pushing or trying to talk to someone like Barry Trotz to bring him in, to kind of put to rest any idea that, you know, you didn't get there because you didn't have the right right coach in place. Uh, But, that said, uh, I think the the, the Trotz watch is alive and well, and the possibility of Barry Trotz coming to Winnipeg is alive and well. We do, however, want to get into talking about this uh, Stanley Cup final, which Ken and I are both down in Denver covering. We are excited to do so. So let's not ta- waste any more time here. Time to bring Ken into the show. Here he comes. Kenny, my friend, I won't say great to see you because we've been seeing each other nonstop. <laughs> and that's been great. Uh, but I will say it's great to be back on the old uh, StreamYard machine and yes. doing what we do here. Loving the Kenny and Rennie. It's nice to get this in. You know, the last one that we do as we've been teeing these things up did the first round, second round, third round. We're going to get into the fourth. Uh, going to be joined uh, by, you know, the same guys we always do. Hammer's going to be coming in here. Um and, uh, of course, Scotty Billick, who has already been on Twitter uh, celebrating his victory. It means a lot to him. Good job by him. He uh, won the playoff picks. And Luke Fox is going to join us uh, straight away here. But uh, how you been, Ken? What's, uh, what stood out to you most being here in Denver uh, as we get ready to kick off a series that I think is maybe one of the most exciting Stanley Cup finals that we have seen in some time?
1: Yeah, it's absolutely tremendous to be here, Sean, in the city that has incredible buzz. We know that uh, the players on both sides are very eager to get this going. Um, we know that the fans in this building are going to be absolutely tremendous at Ball Arena, and we know that it's a matchup for the ages. I mean, is it the Islanders-Oilers of the 80s? Is it? We were talking about this before. I mean, is this, as marquee a matchup since... I mean, Detroit and Pittsburgh back to back. I mean, I I don't know. It's just the, the possibilities are endless. And we know that these are two excellent hockey teams with excellent head coaches, excellent scouting staffs, and two incredibly patient yet very determined general managers. It was interesting to see both Julian Brisebois and Joe Sackick at the podium yesterday. Uh, I thought it's obvious. it's obvious that John Cooper is very loose. Uh, that maybe Jared Bednar was keeping his steely focus uh, going here over the past couple of days, but it's a, it's an exercise. This is a great exercise in team construction, in team building, in culture building, in patience, in perseverance, and it's either going to lead to a three-peat for the Tampa Bay Lightning or it's going to lead to the first title. In over two decades for the Colorado Avalanche, a team that has been on the precipice and seemed to be ready to take the next step. But guess what? There's only a champion standing in their way, and that champion has the best goalie in the NHL. Yeah, the
0: you, you know what, I, I, I as, as a rinkside reporter, um, I, I love that position, and I, I know... You know, some people will say there's not a lot that you get from players uh, when you're doing the ringside stuff. I'm a big believer that that's how you build good stories. You get, you know, players to say something that educates the fans and you build from there. I go back to, and I told them this last night, David Amber did uh, uh, an interview at the end of the last series after the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning knocked off the New York Rangers that I just absolutely loved, in which Steve Stamkos talked about this Colorado Avalanche team and said, to be honest with you, when we got to the Cup Final the last couple of years, that was the team we were expecting to see there. Yeah. So the a- Colorado Avalanche have been coming for a long time, and they're finally kind of getting here. The question becomes, have they learned all of the lessons that they need to learn before they get into this? Uh, we're going to find out soon enough. But let's bring in Luke Fox, who uh, we were doing a uh, hit with just earlier. If you want to go see some of our work online, Ken uh, tweeted it out earlier. But Luke, it's always great working with you. Uh, let's just do an empty camp this kind of thing here what has you most interested most excited most whatever geared up for this series between these two teams
2: oh man a lot I mean I I just think the actual hockey is going to be fantastic like you know the the storylines aside I think the actual gameplay is going to be on another level because I really don't think the Colorado Avalanche have played a team that's going to put them to the test like the Tampa Bay Lightning will. I mean, 12-2, and they've basically cruised through the, through these playoffs. Um, you know, they haven't cruised through their build to the playoffs, all those second-round exits, but it's been relatively smooth sailing. Um, the Blues gave them the toughest test. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are just this beast, right? Like, they fell down to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were down uh, 2-0 to the Rangers, and they just keep clawing back, and they just have this swagger about them. That is, I, I, it's something I haven't seen. Like they just felt like they owned media day. Like they felt very calm, even though they're in, in an enemy's building, they hardly are ever playing the Western conference. And they just felt like, oh yeah, we belong here. This is just yeah. normal. Um, so, but they haven't been tested by a team as fast as the Colorado Avalanche. And I think speed is gonna play a massive factor in the series I, i just think the avalanche have to use their speed and the lightning have to stifle that as much as possible and that's going to be an interesting battle to watch unfold
0: yeah you know it's interesting because one of the things that i've seen from this tampa bay lightning team is over the course of their series against the toronto maple leafs they kind of got it going right off the bat against the florida panthers but ken and i uh early in the rangers series were talking back and forth and i thought this was so strange because i thought that turk had been out-coaching John Cooper at the beginning of that series. And I said, he's got to find a way to, to kind of open things up for his team. And he did. But what he also did as that series inexorably wore on was just – they. The Tampa Bay Lightning shut down shooting lanes like no team I've seen before. Like You could just see towards the end of that series with Austin Matthews, with Mitch Marner, there just didn't seem to be a place to shoot the puck from where you could get it through. And then I saw the same thing happening to Mika Zabinajad and, and Panarin as well. Um, Ken, which brings to me, Ken, I guess we should talk about this, is the idea of the coaches duo that'll be going on here. You wrote a great piece yesterday on Jared Bednar from the outside. We look at this and think there's not a coach that John Cooper has faced that he maybe hasn't come out on top of. Maybe uh, I will say Let's not say Barry Trotz because I think Barry Trotz took an inferior team and put Tampa against the wall a couple times. So I won't say that he was outcoached by John Cooper in that series, but John Cooper has left a trail of bodies in his (laughs) wake when it comes to, you know, facing other coaches. So how can Jared Bednar stand up? Do you believe he can stand up in a coach's duel?
1: John Cooper's the best coach in the NHL right now, I believe. Um, one of the smartest guys at making in-game adjustments and adapting in-game in series, le- knowing when to lean on his guys. But what I would say, guys, is that Jared Bednar has bridged the gap. I don't see this as being. I, it could. I will say it's a slight advantage, but I think that Jared is one of the sharpest hockey minds in the NHL. I thought that before I wrote the feature on him. And thanks for mentioning it, Sean. I mean that was a great uh, story to do the research and digging on to hear people talk about his journey this is a guy who never played in the nhl he played in the echl for the majority of his career won a kelly cup as a player his bet one of his best friends convinced him to retire at 30 years old to go behind the bench as an assistant when he was a highly paid player at least at that level he was skyrocketed up the ranks and then had a setback i mean he had two good seasons in peoria and then he got fired, and then he had to be an assistant coach again. Uh, he took the job under crazy circumstances when Patrick Waugh abruptly resigned and went through the, one of the worst seasons in NHL history. Joe Sackick stuck with him, and Bednar is now rewarding that patience. I think he is also a very good in-game adjuster. Uh, I think that he says, bring it on. When, when the opponent, opposing coach says, I'm starting Ryan O'Reilly, I have the last change. Nate, get on the ice and win that matchup. I think that he's not going to be scared to go head to head against Anthony Sorelli, but he may spend some time going against Stamkos. Nathan McKinnon is embracing the matchups. He did well against McKinnon, or sorry, against McDavid. He did well against O'Reilly. And I just think that the coaching matchup is a fascinating one. John Cooper would not take the bait when I asked him about the matchup game. No surprise. But you know it is going to be something. He's going to try to manipulate some of the matchups. To me, it's more about what Tampa will try to do against the defense core of the Colorado Avalanche than the forward group, especially until Nazem Kadri enters the series. Uh, Right now, the depth... I think it's a toss-up. I think you'd have to probably say Tampa Bay getting point back has the early edge in depth, but I think both teams are four lines deep. It, there's some of the unknown guys, but I mean, Andrew Cogliano probably won't play game one, but Darren Helm was playing great on the fourth line. A lot of people don't know anything about Logan O'Connor. He's played well, and Nico Serm's a guy who, when he plays, he's effective. So, you know, at the flip side, you got Corey Perry, Pierre-Edouard Bellemare, and Pat Maroon on the fourth line. On the other side, yeah. these are winners They know how to win in limited minutes. So how those things work out, I think it's more important for the defense of the avalanche. Luke and I have been talking about this. Devon Taves and Kale McCarr are an exceptional pairing, probably the best in the NHL right now. But how will will Eric Johnson and Bowen Byron play? How will Jack Johnson and Josh Manson play against some of those high-end skilled forwards with the Tampa Bay Lightning And man, I just can't wait. I think the coaching matchup is an absolute gift for reporters covering this series, but I don't think it's a wide gap or not nearly as wide as it was going into the season.
0: You know, Ken, I take a look at that and I think of uh, Jared Bednar and putting, uh, you know, not hiding from that Ryan O'Reilly matchup in the beginning of the round. What he's done essentially is he's taken a player and made him comfortable in discomfort, right? There's nothing more uncomfortable in hockey than being a scoring center and having to go up against (laughs) Ryan O'Reilly or Patrice Bergeron, right? So rather than try and hide him from that, I think it was kind of a pressure test earlier on that Jared Bednar put Nathan McKinnon through that I think is going to serve him really well in this series go for it
1: and just one quick one I think that it's allowed the because Nate has taken on the hardest matchup it's allowed the other lines to win their matchups so that they didn't have to do that if McKinnon can handle the checking then those other secondary scorers can score
0: now, you talked about, you know, the kind of pedigree when you talked about the fourth line, uh, you know, those guys are winners. We know this about Tampa. Luke, you in your first answer, you were talking about, you know, Tampa kind of coming in and owning media day, right? Like, they yeah. walked in with a swagger. You could feel it. But I, I've, I've loved the swagger that I've seen from the Colorado Avalanche as well. Like, I love that Gabe Landis came out and said, look, we haven't seen a team before like this Tampa Bay Lightning, but they haven't seen a team like us before. And when I think about that, I think – Probably if you go back on these last three playoff runs they've been on, I don't think the Tampa Bay Lightning have played a team that would be as formidable as this team. And then we were talking about this in our hit, uh, but Jared Bednar today where he said, like, yeah, they're deep. Yeah, they've got this experience. You know, so what, basically, he'd said, or or we get get it is what he'd said, but we've got this. How do you think, from what you've seen of Colorado, they are positioned right now to kind of – Beat that, you know, je ne sais quoi that championships teams have, that Tampa clearly has, that I personally think Colorado does not look overly concerned with right now.
2: Well, I think I I agree that they they absolutely could win this series and they have every right to feel confident. They're rolling. They're scoring goals at an incredible clip. They're averaging more than four goals a game in the playoffs. Uh, And well over, that's more than a goal than the Lightning are. So I think a lot of it has to come down to how many goals are we going to see in this series? A higher scoring series, in my mind, favors the Avalanche. 2-1, 3-2 games, I start to favor the champs. Uh, I, I just think that the Lightning want a tight series. The Avalanche won't be afraid to, to open it up. A big thing for me is going to be center depth. You know, we were touching on the matchups and a lot of this might affect how the game is coached or the series is coached as, as we go game to game but I think we can't really overstate the fact that Nazem Qadri is not in the avalanche lineup. Uh, it didn't even skate today, you know, thumb surgery. Like even if he gets in, can he shoot the puck? Like, can he yeah. create or can he just forecheck and be in the right position and agitate and do those things and be, play at 70% or something, but can he be a difference maker in terms of potting some goals? I, I'm not sure. I mean, he just had thumb surgery that, that feels like a tall order. Um, because last I checked, you need your thumbs to hold your hockey stick. So uh, I, I just think that is where the Lightning had the advantage in that you you now roll with the center depth of Stamco's Point, Sorelli. That that's a little bit a little bit frightening. Um, so if if McKinnon gets the hard matchup, if his line gets the hard match, is there going to be enough guys that can break through Tampa's uh, you know team defense to make a difference? That's a question mark for me.
0: So where I take that, Ken, and you touched on this, I want you to flesh it out a little bit here. Um, the Colorado Avalanche and their ability to generate, you know, offense from the point and not necessarily in the traditional way of just getting shots and getting shots through, because if that was what they did, I'd be concerned from what I've seen, as I mentioned, Tampa earlier on just seemed to find a way of shutting down lanes, but it, it shouldn't be like this. Colorado can score like that, but their defense can also give you a little shimmy shake and then next thing you know they're scoring from right in front of the net right in the home plate area right in the crease because they can get there uh do, do you see that being something that 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 they can continue against Tampa should Tampa have trouble with this because everyone else has
1: Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, they're a team that can score off the rush because of their explosiveness and their ability to break the puck out with Makar Taves. Bo Byram is playing at an exceptional level. Manson's contributing. I would be fascinated to see this series with Sam Gerrard involved in it. Another one of those major puck moving blue liners that is active on the rush can get your breakout moving so cleanly. Uh, That's, you know, nothing against Jack Johnson, but, I mean, that's just a different level of player you're looking at with a different skill set. I do think those guys... The one thing about the Avalanche watching him the last two rounds their defense get involved without taking unnecessary risk, which is why I think that they can continue to generate offense from the back end. Uh, The other thing I like about the Avalanche is underrated about them. Sean, it reminds me of that 2016 Sharks team. No one thought of, like, the Blues were the heavy team in that series, but the Sharks had tons of size. They're not as physical or as demanding, but they're hard on pucks. They can turn pucks over. Guys like Landiskaya, guys like Nachushkin, guys down their lineup. And, Luke, to your point about center depth, JT Comfer is having a really yeah. strong last two rounds. I mean, is he at that same level? No. But he has that defensive conscience that he can go up against those kind of players and also contribute some offense. Special teams is going to be a massive factor. We know the avalanche power play is ridiculous. But I think their ability, not only on the back end, Sean, but their ability to kind of lean in to a series. Nobody thinks that the Avalanche are a tough team, but they play the game. They make it tough on their opponent because of their, their ability to play at warp speed. So I'm fascinated to see how that works. Can the, the Tampa... I don't think they're going to sit back in a one-two-two, two, but they're going to want to clog up that neutral zone because, like John Cooper said, Nathan McKinnon is a bull in a china shop. If he gets his legs churning you have almost no chance of stopping him. But, and also the other flip side about Tampa, Luke, you know this from watching them so much the last couple of years. If you are not managing the puck in the neutral zone against Tampa, never mind scoring on the rush, you're going to be defending on the rush and fishing pucks out of your own net.
0: Luke, uh, I'm interested because we're not going to have you for too long. What are the matchups that stand out to you? And maybe not even matchups, but th- this is where it gets tricky. There are so many massive players. Like We haven't talked about Kucherov yet. We haven't talked about Hedman. We haven't talked about Stamkos. We haven't talked about Rantan. We haven't really talked about Landis. Like, there is so much star power in this series. Uh, who are the ones that you see making the biggest difference in this series?
2: Yeah, I'm really interested in the Norris candidates here. Like, who's who's going to own this series? Is it going to be a Victor Hedman type series? Or are we going to witness a bit of a passing of the torch and it's Kale McCarr um, stealing the headlines? I think that one's fascinating because they're very different in how they go about controlling a game, but they absolutely can both control a game. And Hedman has experience on his side. On his side, he also has the size and the sheer reach. He's he's so tough to get around and beat. Um, and that that's going to be interesting. Can he handle the speed of the Avalanche attack if they're if they're rushing down on him? Uh, and then Kale McCarr, you know, he's just putting up points like crazy in this postseason. Can that continue? Um, can the the fact that they have such a an attack like you were mentioning, Kenny, um, from the back end, can that be a difference? In the series, so I, I think that's going to be really fascinating. Which one of these defensemen are we talking about when it's all said and done? Because I think either one of those guys could have the type of series that gets them in in the cons might conversation. So, um, what what kind of brand of hockey are we going to see that leans more to one of the defensemen over the other? That's, that's going to be interesting to watch.
0: Here's a question, Kenny. And because, and I'm going to give my opinion just and right off the uh, off Please the bat. Please do. But when we're talking about Vasilevsky and what he's been capable of doing over, you know, this this amazing run that this team has been on, and you know, last round, you know, kind of went like that against the Leafs. He just basically, you know, just stops letting pucks in. It's just not happening anymore. I personally think. He's not going to be able to do that against this Avalanche team. I'm not saying that he's going to be bad. I'm not saying that he's going to be like, you know, falling apart against this team, having trouble like he did in the first couple of games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I truly do believe that it 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 won't end up being a 2-1 kind of game series that that you just are not going to be able to keep the Colorado Avalanche off the board to that degree. Am I wrong in thinking that? Is is, is Vasilevsky maybe set to prove that he can just shut anyone down and we can talk about all the stars on either yeah. roster we want? None of it matters as long as Vasilevsky's not going to let the puck in the net.
1: Yeah, it's super interesting for me, Sean. You're not wrong. Uh, I think that the Avalanche will continue to be able to score, whether it's at five on five or on, you know, at special teams. I think they will be able to penetrate the force field. Uh, do I think they're going to score at a 4.65 goals a game clip or whatever it is? Maybe not. But here's the thing for me the thing about Vasilevsky, and Luke, you saw it firsthand. How was Vasilevsky a sub 900? Save percentage goaltender in the first round. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen in the final. But to me, I, I I don't think that it's going to be as big. I think it's a factor in the series. I think it's what keeps Tampa in the series. But I think all Kemper has to do is play, for a lack of a better term, we talked about different teams. He needs to play at a Chris Osgood level. Mm. Darcy Kemper is not going to be asked in this series to steal games for me. He might have to steal one, but he's not going to be asked to steal four. What he cannot do is cost them two games. Otherwise, they're in big, big trouble because Vasilevsky, we know, is not going to be 897, but I don't think he's going to be 945 either in this series, even though, like I said, I think he's the best goalie in the NHL when it matters most. But I think that this offensive juggernaut is going to be a different animal. I know it's a different animal for both parties, but I don't think that the Lightning having success against Florida is the same as have, is what they're going to have to do to have success against Colorado.
2: I'd agree with that. But what I, what I would say is, look, look at the path the Lightning have taken to this final. Toronto, yeah. deadly offensive team. Florida scored more goals than anybody. The Rangers uh, were another like dynamic offensive threat. Uh, they limited them to one five on five goal in the last four games that they won like just ridiculous and part of that's vasilevsky for sure but part of it is how strong the team plays defensively including the forwards yeah and it, I, I i just think you know mike smith isn't in the series kenny this is no this it's, fair. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this, it's fair this is a bit of a different animal
1: Agreed. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I just think the one thing for me, I, I think the Rangers' depth let them down and their stars let them down. Kreider was not a big factor as the series went on. Neither was Panarin. Panarin was almost invisible over that last stretch of games where they didn't score at five on five. And then Sorelli just did an exceptional job against Zabanejad, who was their most dangerous player. And then Strom was hurt and he tried as best as he could, but he had nothing to give. So to me, and I understand Florida is an exceptional team as well, they still haven't had enough of that playoff-hardened disappointment that the Avalanche have had for me, and that's why I think that they're ready to push through. And Sean, to your point, Rantanen, to me, humongous factor. He was a non-factor against St. Louis. He was one of their best players against Edmonton. He's going to be tough to handle, much like Kucherov will be tough to handle for the Avalanche.
0: Yeah, and see, the, the interesting part about that, I go back, you know, and it's been mentioned in our chat room, uh, the, you know, they shut down the Florida Panthers, who are an absolute juggernaut, juggernaut offensively. When I watched that series, I saw a Florida team trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again through games one through four. They didn't change anything up, and they were gone out of the series. I, the one thing that I find fascinating that I, that I believe I've seen with this Colorado Avalanche team is they can score so many different ways. I mean, Nathan McKinnon has a little bit of that Connor McDavid ability where he can just, like... You know, but with the bull in the china shop element to it as well. But he can also play with the players around him. And Gabe Landeskog loves to get right inside and create a lot of havoc there. They've got the point, you know, their point players who can score from the point, but they can also find their way to slice and dice and get in there. Rantanen's phenomenal, and Kadri is another guy too who I just think is an agitator. I mean, that's the one thing that is an X factor for me right now is him not beating in this series. I think is a big deal because I do think that what the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to do and they did against the Rangers and they did against the Florida Panthers and they did to a degree against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think the Leafs came very very close to getting on the other side of that but they built a game plan that those teams just couldn't get to. But I I think that, you know, the the way that that uh uh Florida scored it was a bit of a monolith like they did it similar from line to line to line whereas I just think that it's hard to build a singular game plan that addresses all the different ways that Colorado is able to score I think they're dangerous in almost every aspect of the game that's hard to build a plan against and they've got enough depth that if the, you know one of those guys gets going it's 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 enough to make this team dangerous on every single night that you just can't neutralize it with a good plan like i thought i saw with both the florida panthers and the new york rangers who just at one point once they figured out what they were going to do those teams had no answer uh luke before we let you go any final thoughts before we head into game one here
2: no just uh, i'm i'm thrilled to get it get it started like let's let's drop the puck already. And I- Just my final thought, I guess, is just I'm glad that we got two teams that no one can complain that they don't deserve to be here. Um, You know, there's been a lot of talk about the officials in these playoffs, but when you step back big picture, both these teams have have earned their way here, and it's going to be a a great series.
0: You know what? You did a great job here, Luke. We appreciate it. You did a phenomenal job of staying framed in camera. I think Ken's trying to (laughs) dodge his camera at this point, but we got one last thing
2: before Luke goes. Ken wants to say. Prediction.
1: Oh. I think I know what it is, but I uh, lightning in how many? Uh,
2: I'm I'm going lightning in six. Lightning yeah. and six. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Luke,
0: uh, we'll see you down at the rink. It's a pleasure to be working with you again, my friend. And thanks so much for taking the time to to work with our audience here.
2: What, what were your predictions?
0: Okay. Well, we, yeah, we'll, we'll, do, Are we'll go. Are you I think we've both got – I've got avalanche in six. Same. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. it's so, an east, it's a,
1: this is a full east west <laughs> split right here, east west battle. Uh, We're biased by the similar, similar to the art trophy
0: <laughs> argument that we have last <laughs> night. We won't get into next, that. next, blew up, blew up next. Last show that last Luke, it was great <laughs> to see you, Michael. See uh, you tonight. Thank you, see you guys. All right, and then let's go straight from that and bring in our guest of the hour. Everyone's waiting for Scotty Billick. Dude, can we have like, we are oh. the Champions?
1: Oh, oh, look look people, champion? Oh, look at this. Hold on, people's champion, people's <laughs> champion. Who wow. made the belt? Wow. Man, that this came gorgeous. in the mail today. I don't know if that Sean sent it or so.
3: Kenny sent it, but uh, yeah. yeah. That is some beautiful stuff. That, I this love will be it. available in the Kenny and Rennie uh, merchandise
1: store. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah,
4: exactly. yeah. Screams yeah. your style too, Bill. I know. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Right
0: Congratulations, in you know, all honesty. Great job, Scotty. Uh, Scotty cannot be reached. He's two ahead. Basically, the difference between Scott's and my picks were I picked the proper, the educated guess that the New York Rind- Rangers were going to be out right in the wrong. first round. Out in the first round. And they blew everything up for me. But, Scotty, I, I'm not going to bring these sour grapes here. I'll save that for when we're off camera. You did a good job, though. Phenomenal stuff.
4: Yeah, just, congrats to Billy. Let's just give
0: yeah, it to him. Twelve and two, go. good job, good job. I well, those, Scotty. I went back. You, you won't give me a straight answer. who I had to the pick look. For the,
1: I who had tapped
0: for the Stanley Cup final at the beginning I, of the year.
3: At Stanley <laughs> Cup final, I had, uh, I believe, I had Boston, Colorado. So there
0: we go, Boston, yeah. Colorado. So you, you and I are in the same position. So Jeff, do you remember what your preseason pick was?
4: Uh. I don't know if I want to say it. I don't know if it's. This year. I don't know if it's this <laughs> year bad? actually that, that I had bad? it. I had Islanders.
1: So did Islanders, I. Yeah. I mean, so did so did
0: Kenny. Yeah. Anyways, we'll move on from that. Uh, we're just gonna you know start off, give you guys kind of uh, an open floor to anything that's kind of caught your mind. We'll start with you, Hammy. Uh, heck of a final we have going on here. Uh, it's the best team record-wise over the last three years in the regular season in the Colorado Avalanche and the best team record-wise in the playoffs over the last three years in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I truly do think this is one of those situations where the two very best teams in the NHL, and believe it or not, I don't think this happens very often, but the two very best teams in the NHL are meeting in the Stanley cup final. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, what we're about to see here.
4: I think we're going to see a, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, two of the best teams, obviously, two of the best coach teams, two of the highest skilled teams, some of the best defensive teams. Um, obviously, I give the edge to to Tampa Bay and Net, but I just feel like there's a real – there's two teams that were destined to make the finals and both made it here. Very very rarely do we, do we look at the beginning of the season and it pans out for the two teams. I mean, I think a lot of people, if you had to put your house, for instance, on – you know, to bet you would have picked Colorado and likely Tampa Bay, given what they were able to do, right? The last couple of years. So I think we're, I think all I'm hoping for is that it lives up to its expectations. The last thing I want to see is a series after what's been a pretty exciting playoffs, just kind of end with a want. why I don't think we're going to get that with these two teams, but I do. I also love the heroes on both teams, right? You're getting, you're getting contributions up and down the lineup on both clubs I think each are a tough out, both play very well, you know, at home. I just think it's going to be one of those barn burners, and I think we're setting up for, you know, I want to see Colorado win. I just want, you know, but at a three-peat, I mean, it isn't a bad storyline, certainly. And and, uh, we get into the word dynasty if, if Tampa Bay gets this done, something we haven't used, I think, probably since the Islanders.
0: Yeah, I'll say this before we get to you, Scotty. The the idea of Tampa hitting a 3 right now, we need to remember that the last team that won, and they won four straight, but the last team to three-peat in the New York Islanders of the early 80s, there was only 21 teams in the league at that time. Over the last 100 years, only five teams have been able to three-peat, and I believe the first three are all in the original sixth league, right? Like we got to take into, the fact, into effect here the idea that this they've done this, Tampa Bay, with 31 teams in the league and now 32 teams in the league this year. But add the salary cap era into this, another thing that, like, I mean, how many cups maybe would the Chicago Blackhawks have won if they didn't have to constantly be cannibalizing themselves and cutting off a foot, you know, and stitching on a new one to try and make it work, you know, underneath the salary cap? Uh I truly do think that, you know, yes, there's been, uh, you know, the Montreal Canadiens won five straight, the Montreal Canadiens also won four straight, Tampa Bay Lightning won four straight, but I truly do think that a three-peat is, is an unrivaled accomplishment or, or or getting to be close to on par with four straight or five straight, the league being what it was back then. Uh, little bit of a detour. Ju- I think I'm just trying to set the idea of what a significant moment this potentially could be for this team. Uh, Scott, what do you see in this series? What's, what's kind of jumping out at you?
3: Well, first of all, like, I mean, I'm a big fan of combat sports. And so I like the idea that to be the champ, you have to beat the champ. And we finally get that, right? Like it's so rare that you get that opportunity to do that. I mean, obviously it happened last year, but we obviously realize how rare it is even for a team to go back to back. These days, never mind the 3P. And I totally agree with you, John. Like, I agree. Like, if the Tampa Bay Lightning win a third straight cup, they are in on the same plateau as, or the same, they're in the same echelon as as the Montreal Canadiens or the New York Islanders. Because, Agreed. I mean, you have to, if you're going to, you can't really compare the number as so much as you have to compare, you know, kind of the eras and then going through, the, yeah, we're in five straight against, you know, however many teams are in the NHL when they're. Canadians did that. I imagine it was 10 or 12 at that point. I mean, so I mean, your odds are pretty good. But we also see in the CFL that it's difficult to do it, even when there's only nine teams, right? It's hard to win championships. Um, But at the same time, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at this Tampa Bay Lightning team, they win three straight. They're on that same plateau or whatever the word is. I can't get it right now. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, you're looking at the two juggernauts. Sorry, my belt is um, here. <laughs> you're looking at the two juggernauts, right? I mean, in the league. And, I mean, Steven Sambo said it best the other day, whether he's just kind of pumping their tires or blowing smoke up, you know, uh, uh, uh you know where of, of of the colorado avalanche he said you know where the team we felt, <laughs> yeah we, we, we know you know but this is the team that we felt we'd be playing the last couple of years and love I, that to line. Be honest, yeah. and, and, and to be honest i think he's he's right i mean i think most people would agree with that sentiment and you know to, to you know just as the series i mean you're looking at the best goaltender in the world against probably two or three of the best forwards in the world um, you know, the biggest question mark for me is Colorado and goal, because um, you look at the difference, you know, the disparity there. But the thing is with Colorado, they don't need to be good in Goal all the time because they can just outscore you. Like they're they're what we thought Edmonton might be in these player. Edmonton was in these playoffs earlier before they got knocked out in the last round. It is getting <laughs> heavy. Yeah, it's, off. it's, it's too big. <laughs> Hey, yeah. let's
4: just say let's just let's just say if, if Tampa Bay can win a third straight championship, they'll get on that plateau with with Weave. let's let's put this into perspective here, boys. It would be up there with Ken Weave
3: legacy. That's right. But yeah, so I know I just think, but I think it's great. I mean, Colorado's going to win it. They got to go through the best team in the NHL. Uh, I uh, will get to predictions later. I'm not sure they can do it, um, but. Uh, I, I, I just, it's going to be a great series and to Jeff's point, I, I don't, I hope it's not a dud. And we, we built up the Battle of Alberta, you know, so high, right? We Everybody thought that was going to be a tremendous series. It was good series, but it was over in four games. We don't want to see that this time, right? I mean, I want to see a good series and for the most part, I mean, other than Kadri, both teams are, you know, as healthy as you can be going into the, I mean, I'm not, shouldn't diminish Kadri here. Um, But, you know, they're going to get, you know, Lightning are getting Braden point back. So I'm just hoping it's best on best and and it turns into, you know, the series that we're all thinking that that it should be.
0: I don't think that even, and I get what you're saying, Uh, you know, a four game sweep would be a letdown. I just don't see there being a possibility that whatever hockey is played, however quickly or however long this series goes, that the hockey that's played in it can't be phenomenal. I mean, there's just too much speed. There's too much skill. There's too much compete in both these teams, I think, for it to go like that. Um, I want to dig down a little bit into this a little
4: bit more. Hey, is, that we'll be- is that a is Barry's Dolphin draft over there that you're sipping on? <laughs> is that what it's called? Sorry, Sean. Sorry, Sean. I don't you even know, know what that,
0: that is. is. Yet, yet not, to be named. Yeah. Yet to minor, be named, yeah. minor product placement happening in the show. There, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I want to dig into kind of the, some of the players that because there's so many here, and it's one of these situations where it's like trying to pick a restaurant in New York. It's hard to do only because there's so many good ones. There's so many players in this series that you could take a look at and say like, this guy can be a game breaker. He could be a series breaker. Uh, I'm not going to hold you guys back. You can talk about as many as you want. I'm going to do the same thing. Go to Hammy, then to Billick, then to Weeb. You guys just roll with it, but. But, Hammy, who are the players, and there's a ton to choose from, that most
4: intrigue you going into this series? Steven Stamkos for for Tampa Bay, man. I want him. You know what I mean. I think I don't want to. I don't know how you would say it. I don't want to say that people wrote him off because that's not the case. He's obviously a very talented player, but he kind of gets hidden with age and talent on that roster. And I feel like we're seeing vintage Steven Stamkos now. Fighting isn't vintage Steven Stamkos, but I, I sure as heck know that he uh, <laughs> that he that that his teammates you know enjoyed that part. Hey, hold
0: on one second. I just want to bring this up quickly because it's the best time to do it. Uh, To your point about Stamkos being a little bit like, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I was asking this question the other day, and it was a real like brain breaker for a lot of people. At this stage, based on what he's done, who's had the better career, Jonathan Taze or Steven Stamkos? Because I think for a long time, people would have said it's Jonathan Taze in a walk. I don't think it is anymore. Mm
3: -hmm. Anyone have thoughts on that? Oh, he's got the Olympic goal, which Stamkos, I don't believe, has, right? Because he was, really was injured. Yeah. Because he yeah. was injured, and he, yeah. and he was not picked the one year, right? Like, wasn't he not picked in
1: 2010? All no. 2010, he, got times. He, he, he
3: broke his leg right before he went. Well, well whatever, he got Okay. All right. Never mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Anyways, sorry. But, I, I didn't mean to I de-
0: detract from it. I just think it's like if suddenly we're having a hard time, Uh, trying to decide who's had a better career, Jonathan Taze or Stephen Stamkos. I think Jonathan Taze has been given a lot of accolades over his career. The point I'm trying to make is I think Stephen Stamkos is is getting nowhere near the accolades he should have over his career and i just absolutely to your point jeff and i'm going to let you take it back his performance in that last game against the new york rangers i thought was one for the ages what a gutsy player what a gutsy year he had great pick for you keep going on what you're talking about Sorry. yeah
4: Sorry. And, and, and you you know there's a lot of great players on both sides so i'll just i'll just say one one for the other for the other guys in colorado nathan mckinnon I think you know when it comes down to. I know he was asked about his legacy and that you know, do you need a do you need a Stanley Cup to kind of cement your place amongst you know the greatest um, in the league? I mean, I'm still think there's obviously a lot of years Nathan McKinnon needs to have to get to that point or get into that conversation. But I do think it matters for him. I think you know, I think he gave the the diplomatic answer in that um, you know he said, I don't really care what you guys think. You know, the general public, media, as far as like you know his legacy as long as you know i'm just having fun well you know what we all know it's the most fun when you're winning and the reality is if you want to have the kind of conversations like is jonathan Taves better than steven stamkos we're talking about cups here you need to have you know when it comes down to when you're remembered Yes, you'll, you know, certainly Nathan McKinnon will be remembered for, you know, his highlight reel goals, his points, his dominant, you know, nights that he's had, but at the end of it, you want to have that hardware, you know, associated with you. So I think uh, for him, just for him to continue to cement his name in this league, um, he needs to start racking up that hardware. You could say the same thing about Connor McDavid, all those other guys, right, who are without without Stanley Cup. So, you know, as much as there's a number of guys that probably fit into that category, I put Nathan McKinnon at the top of that list.
3: Scotty, who you got? Yeah, I totally agree with on Nathan McKinnon because I, I think, I mean, you just have to look at Alex Ovechkin, right? How much that Stanley Cup meant to a guy like that. You have all the other records or you have a bunch of records or whatever, but you don't have the championship. It's like Dan Marino, you know, in the NFL, right? It, 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 he's such a good quarterback. But he's not there with some of the biggest names because he just couldn't get it done in the big well the big game in the nfl sense i suppose but you know the same thing goes with with nathan mckinnon that's not to say there's not there's a lot of time i think left for nathan mckinnon to win cups um but at the same time yeah he's got to win but you know for me on on tampa side i I can't disagree with uh, i mean it's hard to pick somebody else than steven Stamkos because if you think of like superstars in this league and i think we'd all agree steven Stamkos is one he's probably the most underrated superstar in the NHL. I mean, I, it's not Kyle Con- Connor anymore. Well,
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> just a dagger.
2: Um, but yeah,
3: but yeah, no, you just think, because he's behind, like, if you think about the superstars in this league, I mean, you're probably saying McDavid, Crosby, I might even put McKinnon ahead of Stamkos in terms of, you know, just the, you know, the, the, the dazzle and all that stuff in his game. And what he's, but I mean, You know, before Ovechkin did it, or or, sorry, before Matthews did it, I believe Stamkos was the last guy to hit 60 goals in the NHL. Like, there's so much. Yeah, I think this series means a lot for Steven Stamkos, right? And I think there's a reason for, and I talked about this last round because Tampa in general, that if the Tampa Bay Lightning win this year, it's like they, they complete this sort of trifecta of. You know the COVID shortened season, the COVID season, uh, and and then this season, which is back to sort of normal. Let's say it were, and 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 Stamkos, you know, he had that great shift obviously in, in the 2020 in the bubble there, where he scores the goal and his only shot of the, I believe his only shot of the of, of the playoffs and his only game of the playoffs, and does that. But you know, I think for this one, like he's front and center of this. I, I don't know if he wins the con smite because there, there's Andre Vasilevsky and there's. There's obviously Victor Hedman, too, which is one of the reasons why Tampa has been you know so good defensively and given up the fewest goals, I, I believe, of the remaining teams. Well, of all the teams except Dallas in the playoffs. Um, but I think this is Stamkos' playoffs. This is the one where he's kind of – he's put his stamp on it, I suppose. Uh, and and so, yeah, I mean, he's the guy that – I don't know. If, you, if you're the neutral or whatever type of fan, he's the guy that you're kind of cheering for. Uh, and then on the Colorado side, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the X factor for them is – Darcy Kemper. I mean, I think that's it. I mean, he's the one I'm watching because if he doesn't play or if he gets injured, I, I, I don't know because Tampa's the type of team and obviously Edmonton was a good scoring team, but they didn't have the depth. They don't have the waves of offense that Tampa does that can come at you. And if you can't stop Kucherov or if you can't stop you know Braden Point now, if he's back or Andre Palat or those guys, you're going to be in tough even with all the goals. And, and the thing is like the Colorado Avalanche haven't faced a defensive team quite like Tampa yet in his playoffs, uh, Kenny might disagree with me here on that. But I I, 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 don't see it. Right? And 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 not only that, such a playoff hardened team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so I think Darcy Kemper needs to be good, and he also needs to be healthy. And it's not maybe the the sexy pick. He's not the McKinnon, the Ratman, or whoever. Um, but I think he's so vital to this because uh, you know, it, it just Pavel Francouz, I don't think can lead them to a Stanley Cup. So.
1: Yeah, for me, I mean, Makar is who we talked about this morning, Sean. I'm going to you know, yeah. just briefly touch about Makar. But to me, not just because I wrote about him yesterday, but Gabe Landeskog, for me, we talk about leadership. I mean, he's very similar in terms of a player, in terms of leading as a Stephen Stamkos. But similar to Stamkos, until you get that first championship, you're your next level of leadership takes you to that upper echelon. Uh, To me, I love talking about it with him yesterday. This is a guy who had a lot of sweat equity, named captain just before his 20th birthday, second year in the league, second overall pick. At the first draft we went to after the Jets were back, Nugent Hopkins first. I was blown away by Gabe Landeskog at 18 years old. His ability to is how... Uh, how soft-spoken but articulate he was for a guy who would come over from Sweden to play in Kitchener. Unbelievable. You could see the leadership there. The fact that they basically went down to the wire, as Joe Sackick admitted yesterday, to not getting the deal signed, even though both sides wanted it done. Uh, and then Nathan McKinnon flat out telling me yesterday, we're not here if Gabe leaves. Because if Gabe Landeskog left, it was most likely to St. Louis, who they had to knock out in the second round. Um, To me, I'm watching Landeskog because of not only the leadership, but the on-ice component of his game is also, he's another guy. You guys talk about Stamkos kind of being under the radar. Because of McCarn, because of McKinnon, Landeskog just kind of goes about his business as this six-foot-three power forward, does everything well. You know, he's not the fastest guy, but he wins all his board battles. He gets to the hard areas. He scores on the power play. He scores at even strength. To me, he can be the kind of force that can get to the blue paint, the same way Corey Perry is going to be living in Darcy Kemper's blue paint. For me, Landeskog is that guy for the Avalanche, uh, and on the flip side, for me, for Tampa, it's super interesting. I'm going to go Sorelli. I mean, I think that, as I said earlier, Bednar will embrace the matchup, but Anthony Sorelli has been the human eraser in the playoffs for an Avalanche or for a Lightning team that has lots of depth and can score in a lot of different ways. Sorelli has been the wet blanket for the opponent's on-fire offensive weapon. You know, Sorelli's a guy who is a good two-way player, and he's known for scoring big goals, but he hasn't really got on track offensively this year in the playoffs. Alex Kalorn still looking for his first goal. But, hey, we talk about matchups. I mean, Braden Point with Kalorn. I mean, man, oh, man. I mean, it's going to be interesting there. But to me, Sorelli, if he can minimize McKinnon's impact at 5-on-5. Five five. First, I think that Bednar will go away from the matchup if that's the case. But secondly, Sorelli's the kind of guy, whether it's at the Memorial Cup or in the playoffs, there's always a game where he puts his stamp on the game. Not just by defensively, but scoring a big goal in a tie game or in overtime. So for me, Sorelli's ability to match up and how he does against McKinnon, that those are my two guys. But Series is filled with them, and I can't wait to see. I also think my X Factor in the under the radar sense is Valerie Nichushkin. This guy is a massive human. 6'5, can skate, kills penalties, blocks shots, wins battles along the wall, good penalty killer. He's the kind of guy that's a streaky scorer. If he gets one in game one, he could get five in the series. And in a series like this, the Avalanche without Kadri are going to need guys to step up the way that Miko Rantanen did last round for them. Kenny,
4: I love your Landis pick. I love it because that I think you're you're bang on. Like that he he almost wasn't an avalanche. Yeah. And you you've been yes. in that we've all been in that locker room before. He's the straw that stirs that drink oh, of that yeah. group right from the beginning, right? Like that is the locker room that you want to have in the NHL was when they first all ushered that that era in they were complimented by some veteran pieces but Glandis was the pulse of that dressing room and it it was the only way I can describe it was fun it was professional but it was fun and now you look you know fast forward to today and that he was close to not (laughs) being part of that equation and, and seeing what he did this year I think it's a it's a Cinderella story almost for that guy this season.
0: I chatted with him one on one yesterday and I have to say this like if I were if that were my captain I would believe right now. I would yep. believe that we had a really good shot against this Tampa team not because of who they are and who they have, but when you've got leaders that project the confidence but the humility that he is able to strike that balance. This is a guy that you will go to war for because you believe in that guy. For all the reasons you just said, Jeff, for all the reasons you said, Ken, I was going to go with Gabe Landisgaard because I was certain, Ken, you were going to pick <laughs> Kale McCarr. So I'm going to pivot in the middle of this. You take McCarr. McCarr. And I'm going to go with Kale McCarr as my X Factor. And here's the reason why, and I think I've convinced myself that he is even more of an X Factor than Gabe Landisgaard. I think for what we were talking about, John Cooper is a highly, highly intelligent coach, and he has figured out every team in the playoffs so far, and he's put his players into a system that has just created a shell around any scoring area area in the defensive zone. Guys aren't let in, shots aren't let in, and that's it. It's shut down. The series is over. New York, you won the first two games. Well, you're going to lose the next four. Florida, you're going to lose four straight games. Oh, you got close lease. Well, we're going to win the next two and we're going to break your hearts and everyone's hearts in Toronto. And that is a lot to do with John Cooper. John Cooper is a highly intelligent, high IQ coach. But I think that Kale McCarr, we are witnessing right now, one of the greatest high IQ hockey players we have ever seen in the game before. And how do you beat a high IQ system with a high IQ player who is so smart, he's creating it as he goes along. I think that Kale McCarr has the ability to not sit there and do it X's and O's. He's got the ability to in-game make these slight little decisions that can figure out some of the defensive systems that Tampa is running with, open up ice, create ice for himself, but create ice for his teammates as well. This is a genius. This is a hockey genius. We are watching him work at play, and I'm really interested to see how he's going to to handle this series here. The one thing I know, Ken, we talked to him, both of us had a chat with him yesterday, uh, or not maybe specifically with him, but I asked him certain questions. I love the way he's carrying himself. Like, I think that's one thing we're not talking about enough with Kale McCarr. Not only is he a young man who's as good as he is, but this guy, the way that he talks, the way he carries himself... This guy is light years above most hockey players. I'm interested to see what he does on the other side of the ledger. Guys, I love what you're saying about Steve Stamkos. Scotty, I'm glad you brought up that one game in the bubble where Stamkos was injured and came back in because I think that proves the point. And and, and this is why I think Jonathan Tays is a great comparison and, and, and a great argument to have about this because what made Jonathan special or what makes him special more than anything else is he's a winner. He just knows how to win. That's what Steven Stamkos has become. Stephen Stamkos checked into a series on one leg and injured, you know, while everyone else was had been going 100 miles an hour and he'd been sitting at zero and walked in and turned the tide in a very important game. And, yeah, yeah, was he entirely with them that, that series? Not at all. Or, excuse me, those playoffs? Not at all. But he found a way to put his thumbprint on it. And then that last game that we saw him play, I said to Ken, he goes out, he scores the first goal. He takes a penalty that looks like it's not a penalty. He got jobbed a little bit by the refs there and has to sit in the box and watch as the team ties the game up and the wherewithal for a player to come out who feels he's been robbed by the refs, which he was in that situation and totally took away all the advantage that they had in that game and then to turn around and just go back 20 seconds later and take the game back, that is next level. This is mythological hockey we are seeing him play here. He's not my X Factor, though. My X Factor is great right point
4: sorry oh, I, just you, I was well, the I, I, I buffet go buffet I was, buffet I was let's go all with you there man like, oh. <laughs> and uh, yada yada but now you're really talking about who but let's get to what i'm really talking about yeah, here. yeah. yeah. the <laughs> shrimp cocktail
1: is removed from the buffet right there see ya
4: Braden
0: point for me is is the guy and 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 for a couple of reasons one just because of who he is I think this guy's the ultimate competitor I think this guy is going to be in the hockey hall of fame by the time by the time it's all said and done but there's something that I saw that if there's a weakness within this team and Ken you and I texted back and forth when we were watching the game when you were covering that blues series that game where the blues came back Colorado could not keep the Blues from a very simple hockey plan, which was just getting the puck behind the net and just pushing it in front. Not, you know, surgical, under-the-stick passes to the tape that went in, just getting it to the front of the net and then overwhelming uh, uh, Colorado's defense and getting the puck in, basically finding the soft spots in that, in that defense. I do not think there is a player in the NHL who is able to find space in those in-between spots in the playoffs when it's hardest to do so better than than Braden Point. And so I think Braden Point has a little bit of the, you know, he is basically the kryptonite to the weakness that this Colorado Avalanche team has. Uh, I think he's healthy enough to go. Uh, I think what we saw from him at the beginning of the playoffs was a player that wasn't that healthy and ended up finding his way out of the series. So if he's healthy and able to go, I think that he could potentially be an unstoppable force. And basically that problem that Jared Bednar and the Colorado Avalanche may not be able to solve. Uh, Guys, we got... Quick one on point, quick
1: one on point. He was absolutely... This is the one beauty about being on site for the practice yesterday. Braden Point was absolutely not looking like a guy who just missed 10 games. He was flying yesterday. Moved to center. You could see it on his face. You could see it in his legs. This guy, there was no <laughs> chance he was not playing in game one. And I think he can be a big... I mean, even talking to him afterward, he's fired up to go. And as you mentioned, I mean, that's a good pick. One of We can't go through the show without talking about Kucherov. He's made oh some ridiculous God. plays late in games for absolute daggers, you better have your head in a swivel if you're on the ice against Kucherov. For me, I think Devon Taves, one of his primary tasks of this series will be to try to contain Nikita Kucherov. It's one of the toughest assignments in sports, but I think he's up to the challenge.
0: Um, Boys, uh, we got to keep this one tight so we should get into our picks. Uh, We'll start with the champ uh and go from that direction. with this will be gospel, whatever he says here clearly.. Uh, by, the way, by the way, I do have to say like that's an impressive record, Scotty finishing second and third where you and I are right now, Ken, even you Hamlet. Like I'll say this. If you were on here looking for good picks, we kind of nailed it this year. Like we did a really, really good job on our picks this year. Of course, no one did better than Scotty though. So let us know what you think is going to happen here, Scotty. And don't give
3: give us a little bit of your reasoning behind it. Well, I'm playing with house money. So I mean, I don't know what I'm doing here now, but uh, I, 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 I want to pick Colorado, like I do, and I had them in the final this year with Boston, but I just, now that Tampa's back, I just, I can't pick against them. It's so difficult to pick against a team that, you know, get it against Toronto. Here's the thing, like, Tampa gets down, they were down 0-2 to the Rangers on 1-4 straight, right? There was no, there was no hesitation from them. There was no uh, scared whatever, I'm not, I'm not finding the words right now, but, you I just, I can't pick against a team that has played so well with the goaltending that they have, with the few goals that they've allowed per game, with a 30% plus power play. Uh, You know, prove it to me, Colorado. Like, that's it, right? Like, prove it. Beat the champ. You want to be the champ? Beat the champ. If they do it, that's fine. I'm fine with being wrong in this round because I think there's good stories on either side of it. Um, <laughs> you can call me Moses now, exactly right. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I just, I, I think, uh, Tampa is just the better team right now and they're on the precipice of history. Um, I, I just think there's something to that. I think, you know, for everything, good thing that we can say about Colorado, there's an equal thing to say about Tampa, but at the same time, they just have the experience. Um, and and the, the wherewithal that even if they get down in this series, they can claw back into it. So I got I got Colorado or sorry Tampa in six. Um, I'm tempted to go seven, but I hate seven because as you guys said in the last round, it just means you just mean you don't know what you're picking, right? Yeah. exactly. So and that, that's sort of what we're doing here, right? Like because we don't know what the series is going to look like, but we know there's two juggernauts. That are going, you know, head to head against each other. But I, I, I got to stick with Tampa. Um, and uh, do we want Con Smythe picks in there? Sure, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's Stamkos. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I sort of hope you guys there that they get to vote on and pick Stamkos because I think he deserves it. So, anyways, that's me. Go ahead, Amco. Hammy.
4: Hammy, who do you got and why? like your belt scott paper-thin analysis i'm gonna go with uh just kidding i'm actually gonna i'm actually gonna copy and paste scott's answers i throw, throw that dig in there after i steal his exact picks i'm going with tampa bay as well i'm taking seven games for tampa just to screw them over thanks sean for saying we all had great picks there's no secret in it i was fourth i needed to get back against scott so i picked the last two losers i'm hoping to pick the third loser you're welcome, Colorado Avalanche. I'm picking Tampa Bay in seven. I'm going with. I'm going with. I'm doubling up on Billy's pick too. I'm picking Stamkos with the feel good Conn Smythe win, um, and and Tampa, you know, you know, cementing their ti- cementing their title as as a dynasty team um, in seven games over Colorado.
0: Let's just be clear for you, Hammy. You had picked. The two right teams first and you changed your picks to try and get the, because it was the only way that you could catch scott that we yeah this, so, so, your original yeah, analysis was so good your original analysis <laughs> was good you just got to, your competitive, your competitive nature got the better you can you, you said uh, abs in six why
1: yeah i just think that it's their time i mean i think they've had the playoff heartache i think this is a play i mean they're playoff hardened in a different manner uh, they've got the emotional scars What comes after the emotional baggage are the scars. I think they've tossed the baggage into the garbage can, and they're ready to roll. Uh, It'll be close for Conn Smythe, but it's Makar slight edge over McKinnon, but both will have to be exceptional in this series to knock off the two-time defending champions.
0: Um, I had the Avs in six, uh, and like I did from the beginning of the year, I picked the avs to win at the beginning of the playoffs. I picked them to win. And I also picked McKinnon to uh, win the con Smythe trophy. Uh, I think you're right, Ken. I think kale McCarr is out ahead in that right now. I do think Nathan McKinnon is going to have a bust out series. And you know what? There is a little bit, to to me, like I, I get what Jeff and Scotty are saying here. Oh yeah, when, when it comes down to it, depth is almost equal. I mean, I love the Corey Perry's and the Patty Maroons and the effect that they can have on this series. And I kind of am thinking, you know, I, I I like the depth that we see on Colorado, but does their depth have the ability? To to do what those players do I'm not sure that they do Is the top end talent better On Colorado? It probably is But I don't know that it is That much higher Than what you're seeing On Tampa Bay So it's almost like One of these things Where it's like All things are kind of equal Until you get to goaltending And we all know Who's winning the goaltending battle So I'm taking a look A little bit at the analysis Side of this And I'm thinking You know Tampa really should be the team that wins this, but it's the same thing as when I picked the Edmonton Oilers to beat the Calgary Flames in the second round. I, I just, there was something about the way that Calgary was playing, sorry, that that Edmonton was playing at that time. And it just, they shouldn't have won that series. And it's funny, Ken, we're here and we're talking with some of the writers from Calgary and they still can't figure out what happened in that series. But to me, what you had was you just had players that were playing at a level that was not going to be touched. I think we're seeing that from, from the Colorado Avalanche right now. That's why I think they're going to find a way to come out on top of this. And I do kind of think, I, I think we could all say that, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning are this team that went like this and they got up here and they're on the mountain. And Colorado has been kind of chasing them. So it's almost like Colorado is that team. They're, they're riding the same road. They're just a kilometer or two behind i feel like this is when they catch up here this is the team that is ready to assume the crown and hold on to it for some time so uh guys H- hammy Billick, you guys have done a phenomenal job with us all season you can't you don't know how much it means to us that you guys come back here and clearly the chat room too we love having you guys you make our shows pop uh jeff you're always cutting Billick, people come here for true analysis and that's what you provide it's good stuff Unbuilt. uh just want to say uh thank you to you guys and thank you to the chat room and everyone who has uh joined up with us we don't know where we go for here ken probably will do something uh if the trots watch ever comes to a conclusion regardless of how it turns out we
4: should probably We're put our something. Trot's predictions here you know it's coming down soon well let's do that yeah sure Start i was you, just Anna. gonna i was just gonna say you know what sean appreciate the kind words i'll be honest with you it was just okay being on the show so you know it's just uh you know it's and all it is, you know, I'm just kidding. Obviously, you know, big of fans I am. In fact, at a boy, love it. Repping that in it. the end for the comments. I love that. Robin, I've got to comment somebody else. I'm in the airport. This is Starbucks. I've been begging for them to open since it's I've been, been close here. for
3: two years, man. Uh, yeah, like, it problems. hasn't opened.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw this one out there. I think Barry Trotz is going to respectfully decline the offer to Winnipeg, and I don't think he's going to be coaching next year.
0: And so I mentioned that off the top of the show. You'd said that. I think you're onto something there. I don't think, I I, I don't, I don't think he,
4: I I think this is, I think what we're going to get is a guy who weighed his options, gave Winnipeg a lot of, a lot of thought. I think Winnipeg gave him a lot of thought. Um, I just don't see him behind the bench next year. Interesting take Scotty.
3: I have that as one of the things in my column today that I will be in the pages of the Winnipeg Sun later but I I still think trots comes to Winnipeg I think all roads have started started to point towards Winnipeg um you know I think that the Philly offer obviously was big but you know it's more than I've said this from the beginning it's more than just money for Barry trots there's there's a lot of factors here um, I don't think the house buying in Nashville made any sense, uh, or it has any bearing on it. Yesterday, um, you know, you look at the housing market in Nashville, which I was doing some real estate uh, stuff this today. Looking at it, I think he bought in because the getting is good there. But, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, no, I think I think I I, I still think that truck signs here, or whatever, yeah, is hired here. I suppose, um, but I'm also kind of a bit with. With if he doesn't, um, you know, maybe he doesn't coach this year and wait until next season to, you know, kind of wait what's out there then.
1: Jets are nothing. Um, I, I yeah. That's what we're sort of hearing around these parts too. I mean, nothing is yeah. confirmed. I don't think Barry has made a final decision, but uh, this is obviously a family decision for him, and I just have a feeling that those family members are going to say you should go for it and they'll sort out the rest. And I think that he'll do a good job if he takes the job. And if he chooses not to coach, you respect the decision because uh, as we found out with Paul Maurice, coaching is hard, especially during the pandemic. And he's been around the league a long, long time and he deserves the right to do what he wants. And if he doesn't coach, he's getting paid $5 million from his last employer. So um, uh, that's how I think. I still think that Barry will be the Jets coach uh, in the next little stretch of time here but we'll see how it goes well yep. i'll say this
0: whichever the three this of the
3: airport wi-fi right there for you
0: <laughs> whichever the three you Hit get my goes and gets the story and explains what happened behind the scenes over this last little while here it's going to be an interesting one because i I'm didn't fascinated. hear kenny's prediction
4: i didn't hear kenny's prediction i was logged
0: off he what says jets are bust yeah he says it's just yeah jets agreed. Or bust. agreed uh which which I, mean, I think bust. he takes it yeah um but we'll see I'm fascinated by what's been going on behind the scenes here. Like clearly at some point, other teams realized that, you know, they, they, they weren't going to get Barry Trotz and, and they walked away from this. Uh, if if Jeff, you're right, um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, I want to know the process that has, still has the Jets in on this because that tells me that the Jets are still on this. They believe that they're either A, believe that he's coming here or B, as he weighs his option, they're okay with Barry Trotz humming and hawing and saying, you know what, maybe I'm going to sit this year out and then starting, not starting their search at that time, but kind of moving on to seriously to who the next, you know, candidate is going to be. I do, do know this. He's their number one guy that's never changed since the beginning. He's who they want and that he's who they're waiting on. Uh, I'm fascinated by how long this has taken, which Ken is why we were chatting you myself and Elliot Friedman last night about You know what's going on with with Florida and is there a chance that Florida is behind the scenes trying to work something because I truly do think that Florida does need to be going for a coach and they need to be going for the best possible coach they can get I think if you're Florida and you look at Barry Trotz being out there and you think there's any possible way you can get him for that roster it's something that has to be done so the longer this goes on I question why it's going on so long and what could be going on behind the scenes all that said I do think pretty much like the rest of you. If he does end up coaching, I think he ends up coaching the Winnipeg Jets. Hammy, you planted that seed in my mind and I'm starting to wonder if that's not a very strong possibility. So I'm kind of waffling here, but I'll try and get off the fence and say I still think Barry Trotz comes to Winnipeg. Uh, Gentlemen, appreciate your time. I got to get going. I got a TV hit. I got to do on Tim and Friends right away. See you in the Uh, lobby in five. You betcha. Uh, Enjoy the series,
4: guys. You know what? That's an awesome opportunity. So enjoy that, every bit of it.
0: Thank you very much. And chat room, uh, as always, you were phenomenal. Just absolutely roasting all of us here. The belt, the, the, every, everything, the beard, nothing escaped you guys today. It was a great day. And hey, you know what? I want to say thank you to Winnipeg sports talk who you can just see when they hop on the show and they send their army over here. There's a massive bump. Thanks to all of you who joined from that show. Thanks to all of you who are here from the beginning. Thanks to and Remo for sending people in this direction and just Thanks in general to the sports community, the sports talk community in Winnipeg and everyone who joins us for this. We have a blast doing this and we're hope that you do too. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the uh, final everybody. And we will talk to you when the Trots Watch comes to a conclusion.